0: Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. welcome inside bonfire midweek darren bombing joined by look who it is to my virtual right our good old friend nick kowalski welcome back to bonfire sports my friend uh for those out there of course uh, you remember nick and the great work he did for bonfire sports during the most recent Grey cup nick you're now with the bc lions how are you
1: super happy to be here darren uh thanks for having me on i'm i'm doing well myself um and thank you for the the kind words too. I, I'm those are that week, that great cup week we spent together was some some of the best CFL days I've ever had uh, in terms of not even not even work, but just being around the game overall. And uh, it's super nice to catch up. I know we had you on our podcast last week to uh, preview the Bombers and Lions game. and uh, it's, it's always nice talking CFL uh, football with you.
0: No, no doubt, man. and and you're you're one of my favorite people in the entire CFL landscape, like hands down. And, uh, you know, to be on with you and Matt Baker on, uh, your Lions podcast last week, it was tons of fun. I invite people or encourage people to, to go to bclions.com. Check that out. Uh, you guys, Nick, uh, you know, people that have been following bonfire, know the quality work that you do and that the BC lions, uh, 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 digital media team is doing. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about the Blue Bombers win in Vancouver back last weekend, look ahead to their game uh, against the Calgary Stampeders at IG Field on Friday night. We'll take a quick spin around the Canadian Football League in what was just a three matchup week five. Um, we'll talk about Garrett Marino and Jeremiah Masoli and, and all of that nonsense that happened uh, in Saskatchewan uh, over the weekend. Um, and we'll Touch on some other news and notes uh, across the CFL uh, as well. Nick, I've been looking forward to this show for a long time. And not just because the Blue Bombers flexed on the BC Lions uh, this past weekend, but just to, to go around the CFL with you, um, you know. Full disclosure for everybody, Nick. You are a, an employee of the BC Lions now, so uh, you know that. Uh, that keeping in mind, l- let's look at CFL Week Five, and it started with the Stampeders in Edmonton for Round Two of the Battle of Alberta. And frankly, the Calgary Stampeders look to be in playoff form right now. A forty-nine-six win. Bo Levi Mitchell, his new favorite target, Malik Henry, a guy who really. Didn't have much production at all uh, last season or early this season. He's got two monster games under his belt, the two most recent weeks. What have you seen in the stats?
1: I think the most impressive thing about Calgary right now is that Bo Levi Mitchell looks very good. And I know there's been a lot of doubts uh, entering this season uh, based off his last season. And even the end of 2019, how that went fair for Bo Levi. But, Bo, Bo, but he's been fantastic so far and he like you said he's found that connection with Malik Henry I think that we all thought that going into this season Calgary had they had the weapons at receiver they have Kadeem Carey at running back of course they have some studs at O-line especially at the Canadian uh, uh value but now that Bo is clicking Calgary looks like a real threat I mean they still haven't lost a football game it's still a team with great coaching um McMahon's a hard place to win and I, I like I can just go throughout their roster. I love their linebackers. Um, yeah. they have Trey Roberson. I think people are forgetting that's that's almost a good thing if you're a, a, of that lockdown corner esque that people are kind of forgetting about you. No that question. means that uh, yeah. you're not getting picked on and you're not um, in the spotlight for the wrong reasons. But I mean, Calgary looks like a force, and I'm, and we can get ahead of, a bit ahead of ourselves here. But I'm really looking forward to that uh, when they travel to IG Field this uh, this week to see uh, see how that game goes down.
0: No, it's going to be fun on Friday night. And of course, myself and Chris Walby will have pregame coverage as we always do. The day before the game will go live at three o'clock. You'll be able to watch that uh, on demand or listen on your favorite podcast uh, app on demand anytime at all. But uh, live Thursday at three with the Friday kickoff uh, Bomber Stampeders here in Winnipeg. you mentioned some of those players that are, are your favorite to watch in the CFL, Nick. I, I'm totally with you. Kadeem Carey, for my money, is, is my favorite running back uh to watch right now. Uh, you know, probably a good honorable mention to uh, James Butler with the BC Lions. He's had some huge games and and showed a lot of burst in, in his game. Um but I, I'm curious of, of your take on Edmonton right now. They're obviously struggling. You saw them in week one uh, when the BC Lions, you saw them in person when the BC Lions uh, pretty much handed them their hat uh, in week one. Nick Arbuckle traded to the Ottawa Redblacks. He, he's really kind of, uh, you know, uh, getting the stamps on his CFL passport uh, across the league right now, looking for that kind of Kevin Glenn trifecta or nine Fecta, I guess, uh, Trey Ford, uh, a little bit nicked up right now, uh, injured himself in that game. Kyle Oxley was also a little bit nicked up. How do you see the quarterback situation in Edmonton right now with it now suddenly looking like Taylor Cornelius will come off the one game injured list and, and start for Edmonton in week six?
1: Yeah. That, the fact that Taylor Cornelius is back is a uh, very interesting. It seems like when Chris Jones took over um, this, this season, he kind of wanted to leave that 2021 season all behind him. But uh, Taylor Cornelius has crept back into 2022 and by virtue of multiple injuries and obviously the, the Arbuckle trade that you mentioned, but he, um, Trey if we want to rewind a bit i thought trey ford was pretty solid i know there was a lot of hype about him especially because they did get the win in hamilton i think that plays right. that played a lot into it um First. even though ford's numbers maybe weren't off the charts and um he, he he didn't necessarily win that game um it was more maybe hamilton throwing it away at the end or, or fumbling it away um to get literal but i think edmonton's a, they're a better team than they showed in week 1 i think we can all agree with that um i mean they're in a tough they're in a tough west division Chris Jones is definitely trying to experiment and trying to find maybe like the right formula when it comes to their roster right now, especially on defense. I mean, we've seen we've seen former Bombers receiver Charles Nelson start at safety for them. I think we've seen um, Toby Antigua, another guy I want to say that started at safety for them. It was about like a six foot four body frame, so just yep. totally pro- out out. Yep. yeah, totally trying whatever. Yeah, yeah, just trying out a bunch of different rosters and seeing what can stick and what'll work for them and. I thought what I mean, especially in that first quarter against against Calgary, they were they were hanging in there and Trey Ford had made a couple special plays before going down to injury. So unfortunately, they're going to have to move on with without him for the time being. Um, but I I, 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 di- I didn't mind Taylor Cornelius last year either. I, I didn't think he was. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't like a star off the bat or he didn't have great performances by no means, but I, I thought there was, there was something there with him, at least with his big body and a strong arm.
0: He he definitely has the strong arm. I'm with you there, Nick. The thing I think that uh, really stands out when I think of Taylor Cornelius, and a lot of people think of Taylor Cornelius in his first CFL season in 2021 was those late game interceptions. Uh, yeah. You know, that definitely highlighted his time in his first year here in Canada. It highlighted his time in his first year uh, in pro football in the XFL um, or pardon me, the, was it the XFL? It was Cornelius? the AAF.
1: And I haven't followed those. All those, too closely, all those American. Honest, so,
0: all those American fall, they kind of blend in. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. So uh, wherever it was though, the, where he played, he was the same deal with throwing fourth corner interceptions and, and just not able, I think it was the XFL uh, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, Taylor Cornelius go at it. Uh, they've got uh, a Montreal Alouettes team with Danny Machocha at the helm. Uh, that kicks off week six in the CFL. Uh, on Thursday night. Uh, But back to week five. Uh, So Stampeders get a dominant win to move to 4-0, 49-6 in Edmonton over the Elks. That brought Friday night's game, which was the Ottawa Red Blacks in Saskatchewan for a rematch between these two teams. And Saskatchewan did not look anything like they did the first time these two clubs played. Played, they made much less mistakes and much less errors uh, than they did the first time they played Ottawa. 28-13 was the final for the Rough Riders. A big win for them at home. Cody Fajardo, 230 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, but of course, uh, that game low-lighted by the uh, Garrett Marino hit the, the Dino Boyd, Garrett Marino shenanigans that were going on there uh, for a stretch of time and the, the plays leading up to the hit on Jeremiah Masoli. And then once Masoli uh, left the game, really Ottawa just couldn't get anything going with Caleb Evans. Uh, we will talk about Garrett Marino, but just as far as these two teams right now and, and that game, Nick, anything stand out to you? It was the first game we got to see William Powell. He looked pretty darn good, 5.3 yards per carry and having 88, uh, um, or pardon me, 58 yards on the ground.
1: Yeah. Just before Mazzoli did go down, it, they were, Ottawa was running the ball with Powell and at will, it seemed like on that drive. And then it, yeah. it did end, like you said, with Caleb Evans, uh, entering the game. But my, my biggest takeaway right now is that Saskatchewan is a total different team at home. And I'm kind of stating the obvious right now. That's kind of what it's been for years and years now with that crowd of mosaic. But they're a tough out at home, and um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that Labor Day game with Winnipeg to see how they stack up on the road yep. in a in an unideal environment. But I mean, I'm pretty high on the Riders overall. I think um, their their D line right now is the best in the CFL. I, I don't think I mean that might not go over well <laughs> with the <laughs> Winnipeg sure. fans, but I think just l- looking at their sack numbers and they did lose P- they did lose uh Peter Robertson for a couple weeks uh coming up here though, but before yeah robertson went down last week i mean saskatchewan they were getting tons of pressure tons of sacks um and they got their linebackers are very solid too they got veteran presence i think nick marshall's having a very solid start to his year after maybe a, a, a iffy 2021 and, and a little bit before that as well but um i guess another thing with the riders too is it really comes down to how Cody Fajardo can connect on the deep ball. That's been, that's been the theme for him the last year too. And I know he was having a bit of problems hitting hitting Duke, hitting Shaq when he was healthy on yeah. a consistent basis, right? And I think that's yeah. – Cody's probably going to take the riders as far as uh, they can go, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the riders will go – as far as Cody Conchardo takes it. But, you know, everybody talks about the players uh, on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense, and, like, they've got a lot of talent. You mentioned that defensive line. Um, you know, when you when you got A.C. Leonard, um, you know, uh, Darnell Sankey, new to the team this season. Uh, Larry Dean, not new to the team, but healthy and able to play. Uh, a lot of good defensive backs. Uh, Mike Eaton on the back end, a veteran Canadian at safety. Um, but to me, uh, it is... Why is the name escaping me? The uh, the defensive coordinator um, of the Jason Saskatchewan Shivers. Rough Riders. Yes, Jason Shivers. So he was an assistant for Chris Jones when Jones was running things in Saskatchewan. Jones moved on. They promoted um, Sh- Jason Shivers to defensive coordinator. He took a little bit of that Chris Jones defense, melded it with his own. And every single year since then, Shivers defense has gotten better and better and better. To me, that's the strength of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. As far as Blue Bombers fans out there watching here on Bonfire Sports are concerned, that's, I think, the, the area of focus Winnipeg needs to have uh, in those three meetings with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And as somebody pointed out uh, in the live chat, shout out to everybody who's watching us live on, on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching us on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash sports, join the live chat, get involved in the conversation. Um, but those three games between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan in a matter of four weeks or or a month uh, with a bye week kind of mixed in there for Winnipeg. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, those two teams uh, shake out. But yeah, I mean, Saskatchewan, I I think they're kind of picking up steam. We've seen the Calgary Stampeders. The BC Lions look extremely solid uh, in the, you know, in the West division so far here in the early going, Nick. That brings us to the final game of the week. Uh, that was the BC Lions hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a battle of the unbeatens, uh, a young, talented, um, really the story of the CFL in quarterback Nathan Rourke going up against the story in the CFL for the last year and a half, two years, I would say it's fair, um, in Zach Calaris. and And it was the uh, you know, the veteran versus the uh, the protege and, and the, you know, the, the guy with all the experience in the Grey cup rings going up against a guy uh, second year in the league, 24 years old, first year as a starter who looks so calm and composed before we get into Winnipeg's 43-22 win in Vancouver on Saturday, Nick, uh, you work closely with him uh, and everybody on this BC Lions team. Uh, what is your uh, perspective or insight on Nathan Rourke as a man, as a player off the field, and then obviously what he does on the field.
1: Uh frankly, he he is fantastic. And I I have had the pleasure of filming him in the offseason. Uh because my job right now is uh the, the videographer for the BC Lions. So I, I work closely with Nathan. I work closely with the entire team. But with Nathan, he um he he he's taken his mechanics very seriously these last year and a half uh, overall and I think he had the, the coming out of college one of the knocks on him was that his his throwing velocity wasn't there and he couldn't make longer throws and his just overall mechanics weren't fully developed and he's he's really taken that um I guess as a point of emphasis in his last uh, year or so of training, and he trains out in North Vancouver with this kinesiologist named Rob Williams. And um, if you ask anybody around here, you can ask Farhan Lalji, who's also a football coach in the Vancouver area. He speaks super highly of Rob Williams. Farhan's actually who connected Rob and Nathan together, and Rob has uh, plenty of university athletes. He even does virtual sessions with um, uh, collegiate students in the NCAA. Um, but Nathan Nathan takes football very seriously, and he's he's it's, it's really his life. And he's he's a very very critical of his own work. Um, even those games where he was missing three passes in the entire game, he was he was going to the media and saying, oh, I did this wrong, or I did this wrong, or I even know that he'll he'll message Rob and be like, oh, I I missed this one throw. Like why did like you'll ask him about the mechanics and all of that, but. To summarize, he's, he's a very hard worker, very talented quarterback. We've seen that he can use his arm. We've seen that he can use his legs, too. Uh, was, we've we've even hit up people back in his uh, – who cover the Ohio Bobcats back to his university days, and they were saying the scary thing about what he's doing in the CFL level right now is it's exactly what he was doing at the collegiate level with Ohio. He was said yeah. people – we were talking to Ohio broadcasters who we were, we were saying that, Nathan, it's a short passing game. It's precise. It's very – um, very quick, quick, quick out balls and just high completion percentages. And he said that with Nathan using his legs, it also opened up the running game and, uh, for the running backs. Uh, a couple of running backs he played with are actually in the CFL as well. AJ olette um, in Toronto was one. Um, but I think, I think the sky is really the limit for Nathan Rourke. I mean, he's only 23 years old too. That's the other thing. It's, it's pretty crazy to see what we have in the CFL uh, with, with a, uh, I mean, it's his first year starting. He's a second year player, but, just the way he started out this season has been everything I, I imagine he could have hoped for.
0: Yeah, no, you, you know, Nick, you touched on something that's really stood out to me about Nathan Rourke in speaking to the media, the, just the way he carries himself. Uh, most impressive to me is, as you said, those games where he missed three passes all game and he's like 92% passing or whatever it is uh, and thrown for a whack load of yards and, and being responsible with the football um, is that he still constructively criticizes himself and criticizes his own game and looks at the ways he can get better. As you know, as a long, you know, you're a born and raised Winnipegger and, and seeing the, the Mike O'Shea mentality come to fruition here in Winnipeg is that you're never satisfied. You will never rest on your laurels. You always look to get better, better. whether you lose by 20 or win by twenty, lose by two, or win by two. You look at the areas you can improve on. I see that in Nathan Rourke. He just seems to have the the right chemistry and and uh, the right mix. Uh, you know, in his mental game, obviously has the talent and the skills, and it helps a heck of a lot when um, you got a good run game. A seems to be rejuvenated offensive line in BC this year they're, they're playing better than they have in a long, long time. I would hate to see what Mike Riley could have done with, uh, you know, the protection the Lions are, are giving um, Nathan Rourke this season uh, a good run game in James Butler. And then of course uh, you know, we have seen the emergence of new players in BC, but those ones that we're familiar with in Brian Burnham, he should be back soon. A scary moment there for him. Uh, and of course our thoughts are with him. One of my favorite players in the CFL uh, and then uh, Lucky Whitehead, of course. When you have that weaponry around you, it's no doubt has helped Nathan Rourke settle in a lot easier and, and earlier than maybe some other quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League have.
1: Mm, yeah, and then to touch to add on to your your first question, as a, as a person, he's he's a he's a amazing guy too. Very very kind, very polite, very soft spoken. Often has a smile on his face when he's not. Uh, Studying the playbook or thinking about football, um, the guys here—they—they they all believe in him. I, I saw that from really when I got here in January that we had a uh, pretty much the entire uh, all the Canadian offensive linemen were were live here year round. Um, Joel Figueroa was also someone who was here um, in about February ish, and you could just tell that they all—they all knew that. I mean, from the top down too. Like we had Neil McAvoy and um, Rick Campbell at uh, the two co-general managers say they announced that it's it's Nathan's team uh when Michael Riley retired. Like we're we're going with Nathan this year. And they and that the shifts people faith up a little bit. That yeah. shifts
0: people up. It really yeah. Does.
1: and they had the utmost faith in him and I think it trickled down with a lot not even trickled down. I think the locker room just naturally saw that, yeah, this this guy is a baller at the quarterback position and he's he's the guy you want leading your football team. Um whether it's from a vocal standpoint or even his his mentality on the field. Like he's someone that will leave it all out there. Um, do whatever it takes uh to, to get to let his team get the win i know for example we had i think matt baker was joking around with him on the an in, in interview the other day saying uh how are you gonna follow up that 400yard game uh, with a 500 yard game and he said no we're just going to follow it up with a win and that's because that's the only thing that's on his mind right now is just winning yeah. football games and doing whatever it takes to get the team um wins or improve the team overall it's not about the personal accolades or the right. records that he's breaking right now he 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 probably he doesn't like that attention and i think uh, that that uh that that's out there right now let people know that but uh he's he's just the type of guy you want leading your team
0: no just as a fan of the game and, and a fan of the canadian football league i i can't wait to see what nathan Rourke shows us in the months and years to come. uh, Very bright uh, light in the Canadian Football League right now. But of course he had his first loss of the season, 43-22 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back last weekend. Nick, this game rightfully so was touted as uh, the early Western showdown and the two hottest teams I would say, both the historical hot team and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who remain in meaningful games 22 and one, or now 23 and one, with Zach Kalaris at quarterback, and then against uh, the hottest team to start the season in the BC Lions. Um, you were on the field for this game. I caught you uh, a couple times on the TSN broadcast on the BC Lions sideline. Uh, what stood out to you in this game, uh, maybe on first glance or first take, uh, when you think back to Saturday night?
1: Uh, my my front row seat uh showed me that zach caleros is a very tough man to catch that was my one takeaway he was ridiculous with uh evading pressure because we were we were getting to him like and pretty much everybody in the defensive line especially the, the ends they were they were getting in the backfield and but they weren't getting to zach and that that was the problem and ultimately uh the people are the reason why that i thought winnipeg really ran away with that game i mean I put it out there on Saturday night that I, I thought that was maybe Zach's best game as a blue bomber. And Could maybe be, yeah. the numbers don't really reflect that. But the main takeaway from me was that we haven't seen this this year either. I'll preface this. But last year, even let's take the 400 yard game uh, at BC last year that, I mean, some people might say is Zach's best game as a blue bomber. But there were a lot of times where Zach... Let, to, to be truthful, was kind of throwing 50-50 balls up in the air and letting Kenny Lawler make plays for him or letting uh, yeah. Nick Dembski even at times make highlight real catches. Lawler was definitely the main guy that was doing it throughout the whole season last year. But was there a ball on Saturday that Zach threw up and the receiver had to make a play or in, in a contested catching situation? I, I can't really think of many because Zach was – Maybe one to
0: Ellingson, but yeah. Yeah, maybe. There was one in the You're first right. quarter where he kind of threw it a little – Past him,
1: but he was still open and he Alex still came down with it. But wherever the ball needed to be, Zach was putting it there. And it was never in in a way that a BC line defender could have put their hands on, it even it was it was really insane to see. And the third down or the the third quarter drive where it ended in that highlight reel Dalton shown touchdown. He had the the other like Patrick Mahomes-esque throw where he's like parallel to the, the field, and it was just I mean, it was it was tough to watch on my end, but I was I was pretty impressed with with what Calaris did. And I know I, I was waiting to see a game from him like that to see that he could really come to that MOP self and really show that he's still the top guy in the CFL and his team is as well. And they definitely showed that on Saturday. I, I give full credit to the Blue Bombers. They 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 beat us in all three phases.
0: Yeah, it was really a a heck of a football game. And I I describe it as kind of a coming out party for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because, yeah, they were 4-0 going into that game, but it was narrow margin wins in the back-to-backs against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Played pretty good against uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but they were clearly a team that was having trouble, especially offensively. Uh, And then a Toronto game that was a lot closer um, than uh, people maybe expected with a missed convert that, you know, making that game avoid overtime and Winnipeg coming away with a one point victory. So, um, some people were wondering why the Lions were so favored in that game uh, or going into that game. Uh, all of that is in the rear view mirror right now. It was really a, a good battle. Some of those deep shots Nathan Rourke took um, for long touchdowns were, were really impressive. Uh, Josh Pearson with a 66 yard uh, catch and run to, to get the Lions on the board. Dominic Grimes was an absolute monster uh, in this game, Nick, as you know, eight cat or pardon me, eight targets. He had six catches for 136 yards and two touchdowns, not a CFL top performer of the week. They ended up giving that to uh Dalton shown with eight for 117 and two touchdowns. Um, but, uh, you know, really you, you could pick either of those receivers and, and give them a, a performer of the week award. Um, I would say right now, uh, the BC Lions probably maybe Calgary's in that mix, but, uh, I don't know if I would put uh, another group of, of receivers uh, ahead of what the BC Lions have. Is that Nathan Rourke? Is that just the receiver talent on its own? You know, uh, I think you could probably argue argue uh, either way. I love how the the way you put, um, you know, Zach Kolaris is a hard man to catch. Because once he got rolling and the Blue Bombers offense got rolling, um it probably was a very tough thing to catch. But another person that was tough to catch was Janerian Grant, an opening play, kick return, touchdown. Um, tell me about the the energy on the BC Lions bench when, you know, 15 seconds into the game, you're down seven-nothing.
1: I don't I don't think anything really changed. I think that the only thing that changed is that you're down seven on the scoreboard, but you still have 59 minutes of football to play. So yep. I don't there was no no finger pointing, nobody it, it it happened in a blur too. That's another thing. It felt like it happened. It did happen in about ten seconds in, in real time. Yeah. But next thing you know, you're just getting the opening. It, it felt like it, you're almost getting the opening kickoff, but you're just down seven nothing. And I know Nathan's type of guy. He's very even keel. We saw that last week in Ottawa, where he threw back to back interceptions, went back out there and threw a seventy yard touchdown pass. Like he's never out of it. He he doesn't have that belief that he's he's not a quitter. Um, we know that. So I, the the sideline I thought was totally fine. There was again, even throughout the game, this team, they haven't had that much of adversity yet. Obviously the, the blow yeah. wins in the first couple weeks, but even after they said like, we're not going to, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. We have to stick with each other in the hard times too. We can't just always uh, love each other while we're up. We got to love each other while we're down too. And that's kind of the message they're taking uh, into the future weeks here. And yeah, and the, to add on to Janarian Grant, I mean, I, if people forgot about who Janarian Grant is and the talent he he brings, I think everyone's reminded now that he had, obviously had another one that was uh, called back and just the bomber special teams too. They they were they really put on a show in that game.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I talked about it on the post game show here on Bonfire Sports. The the play Mike Miller made uh, on a block to send Janarian grant for that 97 yard touchdown. And then he made the tackle on the kickoff to the BC Lions. Like that guy is as good as he's ever been as a special teamer, of course, future hall of famer, no doubt the killer, Mike Miller with the Winnipeg blue bombers. Uh, Love what sinner saint is saying here. Uh, He's watching live uh, on YouTube. Hit that like button folks go blue. Uh, Love to hear that. And uh, thanks to everybody who's joining us uh, in the live chat tonight, Nick Kowalski, our old friend of bonfire sports joining us on bonfire midweek, uh, breaking down CFL week five and looking ahead to week six. Um, now week six, Nick, uh, has the BC Lions on their second bye already this yes. season. I, I won't ask you to comment on this specifically, but something that stood out to me was the BC Lions had training camp and then a game against a team we knew was going to be probably weak to start the season and they showed it uh, absolutely clobbering the Edmonton Elks a buy in week two as an aside, kind of tough for CFL fans to swallow when they saw what Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions were capable of in week one, not able to watch them in week two, I think, you know, uh, brought the hype down a little bit, but it was back in week three, the lions had all the training camp to prepare for their first game. They had a bye week to prepare for their second game. And then, the Lions went on the road uh, and it was a much more narrow margin win against the Ottawa Red Blacks. All of those things were maybe one of the reasons or some of the reasons why I picked the Blue Bombers to beat the Lions last week. I'll I'll stop patting myself on the back for that, Nick. Um, But now another buy, and this is what I will ask you, um, is when you got two buys early in the season, uh, how do you use that to your advantage? How does a team ensure that they are, you know, getting, the most value they can uh when you got two buys in the first 6 weeks and only one the rest of the way
1: i think i think outside of the obvious and being that you get a, uh, the injured players they get an extra week to to heal up that's kind of the obvious point um that that helps with the buy but i think that the main thing at least our players are doing is spending time together and getting to know each other better i think um, we have we have a lot of guys here who are here late hours, especially Nathan. And when I say late hours, I mean studying the playbook, working out, um, yeah. getting better, uh, in a football sense. But I know now <laughs> if you follow any of these guys on Instagram or social media or anything like that, I know they uh they all went to the beach yesterday and hung out and now they're all they're actually all on jet skis today. If you want to go follow like um <laughs> James Butler, Dominique Ryan, life, uh, Quincy Moget, yeah, they all rented out some jet skis today. So uh, they're all putting that on their Instagram today. So I think just getting—it's we always hear about sports team bonding—and I think that's what they're kind of doing right now. It's all you really can do, right? Aside from stay healthy, get your treatment, and um, just prepare for this this upcoming stretch coming up. That and I know we we have Hamilton at home next, and then it is a bit of a tough stretch where we have Regina, uh, two trips to Regina, and then a trip to Calgary, and the Elks are back here in town too. So. It is going to be a tough stretch coming up, but um, thankfully the team is quite healthy right now. I know Bola went down on Saturday. Right. Um, Brian, Brian Burnham is doing very well. All he's really waiting for right now is just to get cleared for um, contact. But other than that, I know he's feeling very well. Um, so that those are the plus sides of having the week off, is that those two guys um, can have an extra week to uh, get healed up.
0: Yeah, I, I like how Brian Burnham uh, spoke uh, to Blake Price on the sidelines uh, on the TSN broadcast saying, you know my lungs are good and, and that was what i was most concerned about when you have a punctured lung uh, as a pro athlete as anybody you, you want to make sure that your organs uh, are in the best shape they can be uh, but then mentioning while his lungs are good um, the ribs will take time to heal ribs are tough they hurt a lot When injured and then of course when you're a football player and you're taking tackles it almost doesn't matter how you're tackled at the ankles at the shoulders or anywhere in between you're going to feel it in your ribs but uh, hoping for the best for uh, for Brian Burnham no question about that. I love this question from one of my favorite commenters here on bonfire sports waiters 27 always got great hot takes and and some good jokes as well uh, in the live chat will lucky whitehead attend the blue bombers game on Friday the Lions are on a bye. It's a marquee matchup. We've seen him in the crowd, in uh, in <laughs> I can't even you know in the beer snake section, uh, just down from the Rum Hut, uh, rocking things in the North End Zone. Uh, who knows? You think Lucky might uh, uh, jump in the purple truck and and drive to Winnipeg or catch a flight?
1: Yeah, uh, we, we we got some nice weather here in Vancouver, and he has, he has his puppy here now. that's taking up a lot of his yeah. time. If you if you follow him on social media, um, he posts about the his puppy a lot right now. Um, but I, I think he's going to be in uh, staying in Vancouver for the week.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine he will be too. There is work to do uh, yeah. uh, for everybody. Um, F- how fun F- is it? FYI, being?
1: too. Yeah. That uh, waiters twenty seven. That their picture. I know that that's uh, that's my picture.
0: Oh, there there's you Shibili. go. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll pull it up again for for people to look. Yes, there's Rashid Flexen. So that's, yeah, that's a my, Nick Kowalski original.
1: Yeah, that's one of my pictures from last season.
0: Beautiful, love it. Uh, so. You must be having a blast uh, working with personalities like Lucky Whitehead. We we see him come into the stadium uh, every single week with you know whether it's a, a banana skateboard or a scooter or uh, what did he have the the hot dog cart with the umbrella and everything you know just unbelievable. Uh, creativity and personality. To me, that's one of the most important things in professional sports. We don't see it too much in the National Hockey League. We see it a little bit in the NFL. We see it a lot in the NBA. I'm loving that the Canadian Football League and and some of the, you know, the personalities and and senses of humor are coming out. Uh, You must be having a blast capturing some of these moments.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned the the personalities within a football team and that's my main job almost is to capture those personalities and and put them out there for people to see and Lu- Lucky's definitely at the top of that list. Um the, the backstory behind last Saturday was um we were Lucky's always trying to find different entrances and for for uh for our home games and uh mm-hmm. we have that we have that ice cream truck that uh we use for promotional uh, activations throughout the really the province has been around actually it's been in Kamloops and Kelowna and all that. But um, it was suggested that lucky ride the ice cream truck into the game from the, from the alleyway. And then somebody said, well, lucky lives pretty close by to the BC place. What if we, what if we deliver it to him? And he rides (laughs) it from the, the, his home to the stadium. So at about noon, it was a four o'clock kickoff on Saturday at about noon, me and one of the events uh, people, we uh, we I, I walked beside him and he rode it up to his apartment and we said, "Hey, lucky, we're here." And then we um, we put a GoPro on it. We'll have more content coming out uh, later in the week with that. But uh, I quickly put together um, some of my my shots from him riding the the ice cream truck around downtown Vancouver and then into the stadium and. Yeah, Lucky. Lucky's great too. Like Lucky, he's he's always obviously willing to participate in whatever content you want. Um, we also have like a, a Tim Bonner is another name that is just yeah. If you ask if you ask any BC Lion, uh, who is the funny who is the funniest teammate they have? I guarantee you, nine out of ten will say Tim Bonner. He is just really? everything he says is everything he says is hilarious. Yeah, just the every how he goes about himself is just it's it's hilarious, and the guys love him. Um, but it's it's my job to really capture that and put that out there for people to see right so yeah um it's it's a close locker room it's it's a funny locker room and it's it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty great to work around these guys on a, on a daily basis
0: oh I'm jealous I, I have no doubt you're you're having uh, the time of your life um you know uh, working in the Canadian Football League. you mentioned Tim Bonner I have a buddy named Tim Bonner who lives right here in Winnipeg big Jets fan no way uh, n- not not too crazy about the CFL but I, I told him I'm like there's a guy on the BC lines. I told him last season, with your name, you know. I also, I'm also friends with a Robert Drummond. Hmm. Never heard, of, never heard of the Toronto Argonauts running back. But uh, I, I'm gonna try to find a Robert Drummond uh, um, uh, card. I'm trying to, what was it, Jugo? whatever, I think it was the Jugo cards, probably before your time, Nick, you're still pretty young, but uh, those playing cards in the CFL back in the nineties, I'm still trying to find a Robert Drummond for him, but I was telling Winnipeg's Tim Bonner about BC's Tim Bonner. I'm like, in 2020, I'm like, this guy's a good football player. It's first year in the league. He's a starter. He's making things happen. Now we're seeing in year two, Nick, Tim Bonner is a very, very good uh, defensive uh, tackle uh, in the CFL, uh, probably helping... Uh, swallow the, the bitter pill that was losing uh, Steven Richardson affectionately known as stove uh, here uh, during his time with the Winnipeg blue bombers, uh, losing him for the season. That was a big free agent signing the lines made.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And I know the people in Winnipeg know about the stove and how important he was on that defensive line in the last two, uh, two great cup runs that Winnipeg had. And yeah, unfortunately it was a, a training uh, injury that he suffered a long-term injury to the Achilles. Um, but it's
0: crazy um, with those Achilles and, and off you know yeah, training injuries. that's just happening.
1: unfortunate, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, Woody Barron is someone who actually arrived. Continuing the Lions talk a bit, but Woody Barron did arrive in Vancouver last week. He's still on the six-game injured list. Um, he okay. was on the sideline on Saturday, so there's some more defensive line help coming, hopefully for uh, for us. And um, I know Coach John Bowman loves to use the defensive lineman as more of a rotation. Um, we have they dress about eight or nine a game and they like to rotate pretty much all eight or nine into, into actual game reps. So that's more of a common theme around the CFL right now too, uh, with how teams deploy their defensive linemen.
0: Yep. Tons of rotation, right? Um, I think it's smart. You know, when you, when you got like Charleston Hughes, what is he in year 37 of his CFL career? Uh, I, I joke, of course, he's probably closer to that in actual years of age, but, um, keep fresh legs, keep guys, uh, you know, energized. Uh, that's how you're going to get good pressure on a quarterback that offensive line. They're not swapping guys in and out, uh, at all, frankly. Uh, so to, to get fresh legs, I think is a, a good thing. I wanted to pull up this comment a little bit earlier in the live chat, Sandy, uh, who's always watching live on YouTube. What's going on, Sandy. Thanks for the, the question. Why did the lions pull Nathan Rourke with four minutes left in the game? Seemed like a slap in the face. I don't think it was a slap in the face at all. I can I can understand how maybe it would seem that way. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about a football game that was 43-22 really from that point on. Um, you want to, like, preserve your star quarterback in a game that really was probably out of reach at that point, right?
1: Yeah. I know after the game, Coach Eric Campbell just said that it was simply to told Nathan that we're going to live to fight another day. And simple as that. And Michael O'Connor got the last two possessions. I want to say, uh, at quarterback for, for BC. And, and that's all there really was to it. It was not performance based. Obviously I thought, I thought Nathan played obviously the turnover is hurt, but I thought overall Nathan played pretty well made through for almost 300 yards, a lot of deep ball completions, uh, which is, which is good to see for, from Lions perspective, but yeah like the, the the game is out of reach and like i said just live the fight another day
0: yeah no i think it was uh, a smart move at that point i i probably would have done the same thing um you know trailing like that with just a few minutes left um i guess maybe final thought uh on this lion's uh bombers game and and big thanks to you nick for for joining us a very unique perspective uh a winnipegger a former bonfire uh uh, contributor uh and uh just an overall great guy you are nick Uh, to have you now as a member of the bc lions an employee with them doing great digital media work and, and videography uh getting your unique perspective uh on Probably the biggest marquee game in the CFL so far this season uh, that Winnipeg was able to come away with a win. What I was really impressed with, uh, maybe more than anything in that game, like Zach Kolaris was awesome. Uh, I thought the Lions put up a good fight, and Nathan Rourke, those deep shots, really exposed. I think uh, the one area Winnipeg's defense does unfortunately allow, and that is those big deep explosion plays. But I, I, I really want to tip my hat to defensive coordinator Richie Hall. Um, he did a masterful job drawing up a game plan that just worked in, especially uh, early in, in keeping Nathan Rourke off schedule a little bit uncomfortable. And it ultimately led to uh, those uh, turnovers uh, the BC lions uh, committed in that game. I I think that's what you got to do. You, you, a young quarterback, really any quarterback, you try to get them off schedule. You try to make them uncomfortable and the way that they just, um, you know, moved guys around, like to see Jackson Jeffcoat drop back like he did. Uh, TSN did an amazing job breaking that play down uh, and and watching Nathan Rourke go through his progressions, the things, his tendencies, the things that he's used to doing. Uh, and then Winnipeg kind of playing to that tendency and putting a, somebody you wouldn't expect to be in a passing lane. And that's the defensive end in Jackson Jeffcoat uh, that really kind of got things uh, rolling for the Blue Bombers, let alone the job, offensive coordinator Buck Pierce did uh, in while putting some serious sprinkles, chocolate sauce, and and a cherry on top of a vanilla offense. uh, I described the Blue Bombers offense as tepid, as a little bit vanilla. And then I maybe, uh, I remember that was last game or the game prior. and, And then I said, you know, maybe uninspired is a better way to describe it. It was former Blue Bomber, Marcus Sales who called it vanilla. It was the, you know, the the bulletin board material everybody was talking about, uh, really from coast to coast, Nick, and, and to see Winnipeg's offense come out, uh, do a lot of different things, uh, open things up a lot. The run game looked different and rejuvenated. Uh, Greg McRae got involved in the pass game and the run game, uh, which I think was a great thing. I only see Greg McRae's role on the Blue Bombers Growing, especially with Nick Dembski still on the six-game injured list. Um, give me your thought on, on the blue bombers vanilla offense. You know I was gonna ask you about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean from what I saw, plain and simple, they just executed better and on offense. Um the run game was there, the the blocking I thought was there, which was really important for a guy like Brady Olivier to get going in that game, which I'm sure Winnipeg fans are very happy to see. Um, and then you got Greg and Dalton Schoen. I mean, was there a drop on on Saturday, did receiver drop a ball? Even the Rashid Bailey had one catch, and it's right along the sideline, and he still has a presence of mind to get his elbow in about a, like a half an inch before the sideline, the the white sideline. So, I mean, Winnipeg's execution was off the charts, in my opinion. Um, the the comments, I, I'm I'm all for. Um, I mean. Bulletin board material, yes. I'm I'm all for talking the talk, but as, as long as you can walk the walk afterwards, I mean that's that's all it boils down to, right? I mean, a guy like Willie Jefferson is also someone who talks a lot in the media and even on the field too. But he's someone who can back it up with his play, right? So right. that doesn't um, get any harsh criticism. But um yeah, it was it was a bulletin board material comment and and Winnipeg came out and they made their plays and here we are now, right? <laughs> Uh, a lot of, a lot, of, uh, lot of emojis I'm seeing.
0: Yes. Uh, well, Brett Olson nice uh, uh, yeah. poking you a little bit saying Nick is alive after last game. Oh yeah, Nick's alive and kicking. Uh so it's, are the it's BC week, Lions. It's week six. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, yeah, on to uh on to Hamilton, you are right? Yeah, exactly. Week yeah, seven. bye uh, week, and then
1: yeah, we're all ready for the Tie Cats. Yeah,
0: no, uh I, I think um I don't even know if I want to get like I was going to go to Garrett Marino, but I'll I'll give one last thought on, uh, the, the comment from Marcus sales. I'm never going to blame a guy for saying what he feels like ever say what you feel. And you're right. You want to talk like that? Back it up. I I have no, um, going into that game. I'm looking at Gary Peters and TJ Lee and Delvin bro and Marcus sales and Luchez Purifoy, And I'm like, that's an all-star team of defensive backs right there. Like, yeah you know, and, and Bola combo in the middle and then, you know, Guachi and uh, Tim Bonner, like we were talking about on the D line, like BC's defense maybe hadn't faced a quarterback like Zach Kolaris, maybe hadn't faced an offense like we saw Winnipeg play on Saturday, but BC's defense and and, and the team, the BC lines themselves, I don't think anybody should look past them just because Winnipeg, uh, you know, beat them by, uh, you know, 21 points. Uh, that game could have been a lot different. Michael Shay spoke about that today, Nick, in saying that if there was a couple more, you know, big shots like that, like it could have been a, a football game, like in a matter of a couple minutes, right? Th- those two touchdown drives uh, to Pearson uh, and to, oh, why is it escaping me? Um, Dominic Grimes. Dominic Grimes. Uh, those were like minute and a half, two minute drives, two, three plays and boom they're in the end zone. So don't sleep on the BC Lions. Nathan Rourke, these receivers, uh, you know, it it can happen. And then as far as the defense, um, you know, they'll be eating that vanilla ice cream for a little bit. I get that. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I think the BC Lions are in the mix with Winnipeg, with BC, or pardon me, with Calgary, and probably even Saskatchewan still uh, in the West Division. It's really just kind of Edmonton on the outside looking in. Uh, Nick, I want to ask you, about, uh, you know, your pilgrimage from Winnipeg to BC. Can we quickly get this out of the way? Because fans are still talking about it. The, the discipline came down. It'll be four games for Garrett Marino. Uh, your thoughts on all of that, that transpired.
1: Um, I, I think a lot of what has really, I I agree with a lot that's been said out or been said about from the media, from, from players, even it's been interesting to see players publicly go out on, in interviews and on social yeah. media as well and really Good. defend their teammate and really both ways we've been seeing. Actually, we've been seeing, I've been seeing a couple of Saskatchewan rough riders say, "Well, uh, what about what Ottawa was doing and giving video or visuals about some plays that Ottawa was making? Because the end of that game really got out of hand. Um, and it was really unfortunate what happened with obviously the comments that uh, the CFL investigated uh, Garrett Marino used toward Jeremiah Mazzoli. Um, the hit to obviously, I mean, there's been a couple of instances where Garrett Marino has gone low um, on a quarterback, and yeah. um, unfortunately, it did result in injury for Mazzoli, right? And um, it, it's a s- suspendable offense. And I really, I think from here, you can really hope that Garrett Marino um, has uh, he learns from this. Um, I mean, he's an effective player too. I want to put that out he there. He's a yeah, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah, he's part of that 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 Ratter's D line that I was mentioning that maybe is the best in the CFL, but. Um, you just hope that as a person he can um, learn from his mistake um, in terms of what, what the comments were saying and maybe his, his actual actions uh, that he displayed uh, the night before the hit even uh, that was alleged and um, even the, what the camera caught on TSN after the hit and, um, and just on the field too, just um, to, to know better to make that hit, right?
0: Well, I said this on uh, game day after dark in our post-game show following the, the Bombers-Lions game because that Saskatchewan game was the the night before. Um, The hit, like football plays happen, okay? And and people were calling for him to be kicked out of the league and the rest, go check out game day after dark. Um, I, I give my full thoughts on it all there. But I will reiterate this. The way Garrett Marino chose to behave after the play and leaving the field with the flexing and, uh, you know, the, the, you know, goading on the crowd and, and that entire demeanor he had not just unprofessional, but embarrassing for Marino. Um, you know, Zach Kolaris, amongst many players in the CFL today and, and over the last few days, uh, talking about the play and everything, how it's an embarrassment for the league. To me, the only embarrassment is on Garrett Marino himself. Uh you know players can make mistakes. You know Adam Big Hill talked about it today here in Winnipeg, Nick. Uh 10 years ago these rules didn't exist to protect quarterbacks. Hits like that would happen all the time because guys would just, you know, they're they're coached and trained to play to the echo of the whistle to, you know, essentially exert as much violence and and frankly, pain on their opponent as possible. Big Hill talked about that. You you don't, you know, he, he said, if, you know, if you want to come to the middle uh, and get a headache every time all game long, that's up to you. Um, but being physically imposing and, and being, um, you know, that type of, of player is what makes good football players, you know, like, like Ray Lewis or, um, you know, Lawrence Taylor or whoever uh in uh you know reggie white or whoever like those guys were good because they could smack you in the mouth and you'd remember it so i understand plays happen uh if, if a guy does it once you know okay yeah get fined suspension whatever it might be hopefully it never happens again But this has been over and over again with Garrett Marino and then to have no remorse and be a total jackass after the fact with the flexing and and everything else, uh, that's where I lose any shadow of benefit of the doubt. Uh, That embarrassed me. I can't imagine how embarrassed Garrett Marino is. I I sure hope he's embarrassed. Uh, To me, that was the worst part. Let's move on from that. As Mike O'Shea said, there is some great marquee matchups in the CFL, uh, great stories to be told. So why are we we focusing on that? I I agree with Mike O'Shea and his sentiments uh, today uh, to the Winnipeg media, Nick. I I imagine you do too. I want to ask you uh, about this amazing opportunity you got to be hired by the BC Lions to move from your hometown here in Winnipeg You know, I I hope I'm not, you know, telling stories out of school, but like you're making less money than the job you had here in Winnipeg working for the BC Lions, but you're chasing your dream. You're doing what you love. You're living in beautiful British Columbia uh, and covering the Canadian Football League, a league I know from firsthand experience you love like little else in the world um tell us about uh the opportunity your decision uh and how it's been going so far you, you touched on a little bit at the beginning but i want to hear more
1: yeah i mean it started. all it started late last year uh where i got connected with some of the employees here and um we um i, I was essentially after a couple months offered this position that i'm currently in and uh, it was a no-brainer for me to accept it and uh move across the country drive across the country actually i did that in january uh, i met my little hyundai um but it, it's been fantastic i mean it, it is like you said i'm in it for the passion of the job uh, that's my main priority here i, I love what i do um, i'm always trying to get better always trying to do better for the organization and it's 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 been great so far i mean i'm, I'm hoping that from what i've at least, at least from what i'm seeing and hearing even with talking with people that people are Thinking that the content game and the CFL as a whole has um, upped its game this year, could taken another level 100%. up, and um, that makes me super. That, and that makes me super happy to hear. That's really, that's that's my goal is just to try different things, provide fans with different things right now, and just make the content more, um, more I guess, engaged, engaging for whoever is consuming it. Um, yep. And I think throughout the league too. I know I was I was actually talking with Riley Mara on, on the sideline on Saturday, who is. Um, works, w- works with uh, Winnipeg and has for years. And I, he, he said that he was impressed with what we are doing here. But I, I told him back, I said, you guys make dramatic, you guys do dramatic videos and content like no other, and your graphics are awesome. And just, I was I was very happy to tell him that Winnipeg's content is fantastic. And it has been yep. for years too. And I mean, we've seen what Ottawa's doing with their uh, Behind the R documentary. I mean, it goes on, and, go on social and on and on
0: the, Argos yeah, the media Argos. one is hilarious.
1: Yeah, the Argos, they always yeah, they always bring it. Yeah, it's always fun seeing what they're up to. Uh, just across the league though, I and mean, even the CFL, they're doing these more these hype videos too that are really cool. And mm-hmm. um, I mean I, I'm pretty impressed with, with everybody all around and it just feels feels us um to really improve our own content as well and we're just kind of all making each other better,
0: right? Yep. No absolutely and and you know like again another thing I can attest firsthand is is your work ethic Nick when when you came with me to Hamilton and, and you know we, we were pumping out the content interviews and and the dramatic stuff you did the you know uh, uh, images to music and, and all that uh, sort of stuff you did you can still find it uh, on bonfire's uh, Instagram account uh, bonfire.sports you can find it on Nick's Instagram as well. Uh, Nick, you just got awesome stuff. Uh, out there and and you're right you are somebody that's always just trying to get better um but yeah like you and riley were talking about uh that's a sentiment a lot of people not just in the canadian football league but in sports have been talking about this shift from legacy media television radio and, and newspapers to the digital realm you know like hustler andrew hustler patterson doing it here uh with michael remus on winnipeg sports talk um, Kenny and Rennie and then the work that they're doing, uh, you know, after Jets games and, and covering the national hockey league, we're seeing it with Sakaris and price and you and Matt Baker uh, out in Vancouver. Like this is the direction everything's going. Um, you know, bonfire, we're, we're, proud to be part of that party uh, moving forward. And it all happens because of the people that are in the live chat right now, like Comet, who's congratulating you uh, on the job um, to, uh, who is it Brett Olson saying, you know, like the, the videos you do behind the scenes is amazing. I I couldn't agree more. Some of the stuff you guys are doing is just like, Oh man, like I'd never thought of that. Just the, the creativity and the the ability to do it now so much easier because of technology, I think is just uh, an awesome thing. And bringing fans more intimate, more, uh, engaged, like you said, uh, compelling things and in mediums, just like this, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, bring people in and and the, you know, comments like, okay, here's Bob Ross, Lions finishing, uh, I don't know, TH in the West, that's a guarantee. But like, to be able to bring those comments in and make it part of the conversation, you can't do that on any other medium. So uh, it's just awesome what the future holds. Uh, I'll digress from that. My favorite word here on Bonfire Sports. Um, was it a hard decision for you, Nick, to leave Winnipeg, leave everything you've ever known, you know, being a born and raised Winnipegger and you know, the work you've done for the Bisons and for Three Down Nation here in Winnipeg and, um, you know, your your career in in marketing and digital media that you, you started.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll add to that. Yeah, like you said, Winnipeg fans are definitely spoiled with with the Winnipeg Sports Talk with Hustler and then Bonfire Sports here too. Like all, all the content that they can consume with with Jets, Bombers, really all Winnipeg sports. I mean, it's pretty fantastic what you and Hustler are really doing and with their own two different platforms too, right? Um, yeah. But in terms of my decision, no, it was it was a big decision, but I don't think it was a hard decision. It's one I never really uh, thought about, to be honest. I thought I I knew from the get go that I had I had to tell my parents that was the one thing that I was I was leaving the city. Um, they still live in Winnipeg, but um, yeah, my, my yeah, Brett Olson, my my Transcona buddy, I was leaving Transcona. That was maybe a tough decision, but um, yep. <laughs> no, I mean, I I I I really like the city of Winnipeg. Um, I mean. I, I went to many Bomber games as a kid. I went to many Jets games, even too, and always enjoyed the city. The summers in Winnipeg are great, as I'm sure uh, you all are experiencing right now. It's I'm hearing it's been pretty hot overall uh, in Winnipeg, but it's nice. um, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wanted to take a take a new challenge in life too. That's another thing too. And uh, if it doesn't, if it didn't work out, then there I could always come back home. But I mean, I I, I just wanted to see what i could do and challenge myself even
0: yeah well and and what a great place to go to like you know i know matt baker yeah. well from from many many years of, of working uh in the cfl and and you know around all those people like you couldn't have a better uh you know right hand or a person to kind of uh be introduced to working on a team than uh than than maddie right there but you also get to go to you know southern bc where the weather is nice a lot of the time i don't think it's rained too much this year has it uh yeah the rain is the rain comes a lot
1: i mean i I might i might make some people cringe here but i've only seen i moved here in january 13th and i have seen snow twice oh my god yeah um so we officially hate you you, nick we officially hate you
0: from here in manitoba
1: exactly and then and then like you said the people that i'm working with are fantastic i mean the guys they're they're really genuine like it starts with nathan too but also um someone like um rick campbell and neil mcavoy too they are they've uh, given me the pleasure of having all the access that i've uh, got to have um throughout the off season and now too and then the team we have here there's there's a big team of us behind the scenes that um allows us to put out what we can and I mean, it's, it's, it's just been a blast so far too. And um, it's, yeah, Vancouver is a nice city.
0: Absolutely. I'm just getting the idiots out of the live chat here. Pardon me, Nick. Uh, yeah, no but uh, sorry for the spam, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight here on Bonfire Sports. Um, we're not talking about BC. We're talking about a Winnipegger who is chasing his dream and leaving his hometown to work in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Nick, this is something I know you can attest to because when you came to the Great Cup with me uh, in Hamilton this past year, uh, it was kind of your first introduction to the community that yes. is CFL media. Uh, tell me about that, learning about, um, you know, the football reporters of Canada, uh, our hospitality suite being a great kind of mixer or, or spot for, for all of us to come together and, and talk and relax and kick back and share stories and the rest. Uh, what really resonated with you when you got an opportunity to meet everybody, whether it was, you know, uh, reporters from Ottawa or Montreal or, uh, you know, even some in Winnipeg you had never met before or, or BC or Calgary or wherever?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was such a cool experience. I could go, I could go on and on about that week. And I mentioned it off the top that it's one that I'll remember forever. And I'm forever grateful for you for actually giving me the opportunity because. Oh man, we had a blast. Or, yeah, but without you or without bonfire, that opportunity doesn't exist. But um, I mean, w- the thing about that week is we we just I literally got went from the airport right to the the bombers media day with you, and we just <laughs> went right into it like literally was getting my camera set up in the uber on the way to the to the bombers a day and we just went right into it so we just and it the same thing happened after the game too when we go on the field and you just go right into it and you're saying okay we got this player let's go film him i'm interviewing him and seeing you do your work and uh me and you kind of tag teaming you would do the audio i'll do the video and we'd all plan that out and yeah even the day before brainstorming what we we're going to do the next day it was it was a lot of fun and and then there's the fact that you get to hang out and speak with the Farhan Laljis and the Dave Naylor's and Steve Simmons, Tim Baines. Oh, like I can go on and on with people. I'm leaving yeah. a lot of names out that I met and I just, the community there, everybody was so welcoming. Um, I mean, I'm was just a young kid, really, uh, to them. They didn't know me, but it didn't matter. I mean, they were very welcoming uh, when it comes to really all the media there. And it was, it was was it was a fantastic week. But like being in the locker room with you and getting you getting Stanley Bryant to get emotional after the game and um, Drew Bollarski smoking a, a stogie in front of us while you're talking to him like those are some memories that I, I I still see clearly in my head, yeah uh, to this day yeah
0: no no doubt like like those championship locker rooms I've had the privilege to be in you know a few now Grey Cup championship locker rooms my first was here in Winnipeg uh, when Mike Riley and the uh, the Edmonton football team at that time. Um, you know one uh, great cup 100 oh geez, what was it 103 uh, in 2015 here in Winnipeg. And you know to, to be in those rooms to feel that um, I, I don't know what you would describe it. like what what's the emotion you remember in that room, not your emotion, but the one you were kind of feeling from others because it's more than just joy and elation. It's you know like when you see guys, you know, breaking down when you see guys, um, you know, having introspection or having, you know, like, like Drew Wolitarski shared, uh, it goes beyond just like, Hey, we won a championship. Let, let's, you know, let's have some drinks and, uh, and enjoy. It, it's almost like, uh, they're feeling back to all of the work they did to get them to that point. And, and ultimately like it, that's pro sports over time. Like it could have easily been the other way where, you know, it, they could have been looking back at all the work they did all season and and not have a championship at the end.
1: Yeah. And after like the obvious one of like happiness, I would say like maybe relief and satisfaction are two words that would come to mind about that locker room. I mean, we saw, I mean, a lot of players are probably were, were going through, they were not at hundred percent in terms of their body. So they're going through different injuries and, the season's over you did it like you're the goal you achieve for the season you've reached so that's a relief right there we saw with stanley kind of just sitting in his locker um being in relief that like they did it they won they won the whole championship they set out their goal and they're satisfied with what all the effort they put into that final game and it it all paid off for another championship and defending their title right now right
0: yeah. Like that was just a, such a fun game too. Like with Sergio Castillo going five for five, six for six, whatever he was in that howling wind um, the, the tip play in overtime that really, you know, sealed it all and just how amazing that was to see Nichols get a piece of it. And then uh, Winston Rose, unbelievable play to scoop it up. And and then, uh, you know, uh, have the interception to lock it down, seeing two quarterbacks from the tie cats in that game and, and how rejuvenated the Ticats looked with Masoli in for Dane Evans, and then to see Masoli leave, uh, you know, in free agency in the offseason and have Hamilton choose to, to go with Dane Evans is, you know, that, that was just kind of interesting. The knee in the end zone that is still mystifying to so many. Uh, what, what blows me away, Nick, is that when you ask people on the record about it, they'll say it was the right play. Like Nobody ever wants to hang anybody out to dry. Doesn't matter what team you even talk to. But then behind the scenes, the conversations you have off the record with people in the CFL, and they're mystified as to why that happened. Like to have something like that in a rematch game that went to overtime between two teams that were, you know, playing, you know, each other uh, for that second straight Grey Cup over three years because of that pandemic year in the middle, the Thai cats on home field, the majority of the crowd on their side and and to have winnipeg win it the way they did in overtime like just you you can't write that stuff it, it's almost like fate and the way it shakes out uh you know told a story you couldn't create if you tried
1: i mean there there's some sort of curse right now at tim Hortons field too with the, with those tips we saw the calgary game calgary scored 30 like this year calgary scores 33 points just like winnipeg mm-hmm. and it ends on a tipped interception it's weird and then the, the, the fumble against Edmonton last week like or the other week there in Canada today something something's wrong with Tim Morton's Field, and I I'm not <laughs> taking it I'm not taking the Tiger Cats lightly for our week seven matchup I, I am of belief Ooh. that the Tiger Cats are still a force and they've shown they've shown moments this year where they're running teams out of the building especially in that Calgary game that first half they're they were running the stamps out of the building I think people forget that they're they're just missing that maybe consistency or like that just final effort that it takes to get the two points. Um, but I think like Hamilton was, they were, they were winning the great cup for last year for majority of the game. Winnipeg didn't sure. even score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. I think people are just totally writing the tie cats off right now. I'm going on a little bit of a tie cats, Cause I, I, I'm not taking them lightly at all. I think their 0 four record is nowhere near what it represents. And I mean, if we are looking ahead here too, I expect them to to get in the win column this weekend as well.
0: Yeah, it's It's going to be tough for Ottawa with, uh, you know, Nick Arbuckle just there. I can't imagine he will play uh, in Hamilton this week. So it's going to be up to Caleb, Caleb Evans, um, you know, in in a battle of winless teams. While here in Winnipeg, we've got a battle of unbeaten teams. Uh, Friday night, we'll get the pregame going Thursday with myself and Chris Walby in game day Winnipeg here on Bonfire Sports. But Nick, I I won't ask how old you were in 2011, because I think I do know how old you were in 2011. But you were old enough to remember uh, that Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup trip uh, and losing to the BC Lions in Vancouver. Uh, that season, the Lions started zero and five, so yep. everyone's like looking at Hamilton at zero and four, and they're a team you know just months removed from a Grey Cup um, you know a Grey Cup appearance. Uh, I'm not writing Hamilton off, especially in the East Division. They, they could easily make a run back, you know?
1: Yeah. I, well, right now, why, why isn't Hamilton the favorite to win the East in the regular season? Why wouldn't they be?
0: Well, I, I guess just because they can't muster a win. But, you know, Toronto has fallen backwards into a win with a missed Montreal Alouettes 27-yard field goal, David Cote, with, you know, 15 seconds left. So that could have easily been a game. Who did Montreal's one win come against? I can't even remember now. Was, Montreal beat Saskatchewan.
1: They blew right, them out too. And then,
0: yeah, blew them out. And then 37-13, and then the next week in Saskatchewan, they get beaten down 41-20. to So, uh, you know, th- they've been very up and down and now moving on from their head coach in, in uh, letting uh, Baron Miles, their defensive coordinator, and head coach uh, Kahari Jones go. So, um, you know, like, like Scott Roger mentions here, uh, somebody that knows football pretty well, Dane Evans is not a rising Phoenix. Have we seen the best of Dane Evans? I don't know. But everything's going to hang on him to turn things around for the Ticats.
1: Mm-hmm. And we, I, I made sure to watch his post-game after the Edmonton game because he was he was very visibly upset and he really had no answers too. Right. he said, I I don't know what's going on. And you could tell that it was, it was a hard loss for him. And it was a loss that unfortunately he kind of handed to the Elks at the end there with, with his fumble. But I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm not riding Hamilton off at all. And a lot, a lot of the reason too, is because that unfortunately Mazzoli is no longer with going to be under center for the red blacks for a long amount of time. So Mm -hmm. that totally opens the door in the East division. And, I think Hamilton is a, a like I think they're they're right there in terms of taking the first spot in the East Division. They're only what they're two points behind first right now, right? Still without a win. Sorry, who uh, who's that? Because Hamilton would be two points out of first
0: right now. That's right. We, yeah, that's they, it. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, you got yeah one and two Toronto, one and three Montreal, and then zero and four Ottawa, zero and four Hamilton. The East is is wide open. Um, I I I would imagine we're going to see a crossover this year. Could be anybody of Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan, BC. I don't think Edmonton uh, has the horses to to make things happen uh, this year. But um, yeah, I mean, hey. This is the Canadian Football League. This is why we love it. I was just looking, Nick, of when we're going to see you and your club, the BC Lions, again. And it is a big stretch of time. October, uh, October 15th in Vancouver. Then the Bombers have their third and final bye week. Uh, and then Friday, October 28th, the Halloween matchup at IG Field between the Lions and the bombers, you and Matt Baker will be in town. Uh, yeah. maybe we'll have to find we'll have to find like a Halloween social and and show uh show Baker uh, exactly what Manitoba is all about.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Baker's gonna be all for that. Uh, I know he said that they like to frequent uh, I think they just hang around on Porridge Avenue when they uh when they visit Winnipeg. So
0: yeah or uh, we'll, maine we'll they go to earls on maine that's all they know that too yeah Main. yeah
1: exactly so we'll we'll have to expand that uh I, can, I i think i can give a pretty good winnipeg tour given my uh previous, well you
0: uh, you'll have to tour them transcona and i'll I'll tour them uh the rest of winnipeg I,
1: I told them i told them little bones little bones yeah, okay. would be a good uh good local spot
0: yep now uh Gregory Liverpool mentioning nineteen nineties night uh, on that home game with BC. I'm all about that, Nick. You can uh, you can come uh, you can come in in some corduroy pants and uh, size six X uh, romper like you you know grade one.
1: Well, I'm probably gonna have to bring my parka, right, for that one. <laughs> I'm trying to October joke about 28th. Age o- October twenty eighth. October
0: twenty eighth. I'm probably gonna have to. Could, yeah. be, could be a snow game for all we know, right? It could be. You know what? It it could also be plus twenty.
1: Like in Hamilton the day before the Grey Cup.
0: Right. Well, you got to remember the Grey Cup here. uh, A lot of people don't know this. Grey Cup uh, 103 in 2015 here in Winnipeg. It was freezing cold all week. And then on game day, it went to minus or it went to plus five. I remember I was in the press box doing stats for the TSN radio broadcast. I was standing right behind Rod Black and Julio Caravada who I'm sure you've had a chance to meet in Vancouver, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Julio yeah. is an awesome beauty, guy. Yeah. beauty guy. Yeah. Um, but I remember standing open window in the press box at the great cup in Winnipeg after a freezing prep week. I didn't even have a toque on. Like it was beautiful. It was warmer in Winnipeg on Grey cup Sunday than it was in Vancouver. People don't know that it got really cold in Vancouver that day. Um, and I think that game might've, it was supposed to be indoors, in Vancouver at BC place. They ended up having it in Winnipeg. Uh, Wade Miller, uh, winning that, uh, that great cup bid. Uh, and it was a gorgeous day. Um, you know, you, you'd always hope for that, um, for a great cup game, uh, outdoors, you know, in a place like Winnipeg, I'm wondering what it's going to be like in Regina for, uh, the 109th great cup this November. I'm going to guess cold. You get to go.
1: I plan to be there good. with uh, with, my, with my club.
0: Okay. Good. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You. You plan to be working that week. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get a crossover. Keep it at that. Uh... It at that. No bulletin board. Yeah, exactly. Smart move. See, you may be young, but you're wise well beyond your years, Nick. This was tons of fun, man. I I really miss you uh, and the incredible work you did uh, on Bonfire Sports. I miss just being able to hang out with you, man. Uh, it, it's it's amazing how you and I haven't known each other that long, but uh, you really do feel like a long-term friend of mine, uh, like a brother, uh, a little brother. So, uh, you know, thanks for doing this, man. I, I hope we can do it again soon. Uh, but always tons of fun talking ball with you
1: man 100% yeah i totally agree with what you just said and uh it's I'll, i'm happy to come on whenever and it was always fun like i said talking cfl football
0: yeah well and and i won't knock you too much for for being a lions guy now but uh, hey you know if uh, if a cfl team was was cutting me a paycheck i'd probably be pulling for them too so uh yep. we forgive you
1: <laughs> roar, roar like never before
0: oh roar like never before is that uh, is that the motto this year
1: that's that's the slogan this year. Yep.
0: Okay. there I any mean, well, there
1: the, those the signs are everywhere in downtown Vancouver. You if you if you come here, you won't miss them.
0: Well, hey it's better than Toronto because you can't see anything there uh, on the Argos, but uh we'll we'll leave that uh there. Nick, thanks again for this, man. Uh stay in touch. Uh and, and as you have been doing, keep popping on to our bonfire live streams uh in the live chat. Always love seeing you there, man.
1: For sure, yeah. for sure. well nice talking and uh we'll do this again soon, DB.
0: Okay, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Bonfire Midweek. We'll see you on the pregame on Thursday at 3 and then game day after dark after Bombers and Stampeders on Friday night. Thanks again.